everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Tonight, we officially kick off the Halloween weekend with a Halloween-themed episode. I've gathered some of the spookiest stories for the spookiest time of year, but I won't be presenting all of them tonight, because there's simply too many. So... What I'll have to do is spread these stories out across the entire weekend, all the way to Monday. That's right, a new video every day until Halloween. You may even hear some familiar voices, some we've had on the channel before, and others I've been lucky enough to have join me this year. In addition to many more true scary stories... We've got some excellent creepypastas in store for the weekend, some new music, and hey, maybe even a live stream, if I can figure out how to make that work. Oh, and don't forget, on Halloween, I'll be announcing the whole meaning behind the cipher puzzle, as well as the winners of the contest. So, if you haven't already, go check out the endings of those recent double features. There's still time to be entered for a chance to win exclusive Darkest Hour merch and artwork. And for those of you who have been playing along, yes, I have received your guesses. And so far, you're all killing it. Okay, well, I think that's everything I needed to get out, so let's get started, shall we? Most of my experiences are from my childhood, and a couple of things happened while I was in high school. I have only one major event in college, and this is it. My campus is beautiful, and there's always people who drive through the middle of campus just to see the trees and buildings. It's also really close to a local high school. Several high school students will drive through campus to get to school. In February of 2019, there was a terrible accident on campus. A student at the local high school was driving through campus on her way to school. Most of the streets on campus have several crosswalks, as pedestrians are always everywhere. Anyone who lives in this area always knows to watch for pedestrians. The driver was headed down Garland Avenue, which is one of the busiest streets on campus. She was texting, and she didn't see a girl in the crosswalk. The driver hit the girl, and the girl died two days later in the hospital. Everyone on campus and in the surrounding area was extremely careful on campus after that, always paying attention to the crosswalks, whether you were the driver or the pedestrian. It was really sad and depressing for a few weeks after. Fast forward a few months, and it's October. I work on campus. My office is in the same building where many of my classes are. I parked in the parking garage on Garland Avenue, which forced me to cross the same crosswalk that this girl did. I've crossed it multiple times after she died, and it made me feel creeped out and sad, but nothing ever happened. The week before Halloween was really busy at my job, and I was working a lot that month. 
I'd forgotten something on campus in my office, and I needed it to be able to work from home. My friends had made plans that night to meet up and go mini-golfing at about 10 p.m. I decided to go into the office and work for a couple of hours since I couldn't get any work done from home. And then I would go meet them to hang out later. The sun sets around 6.30 in the fall months, so it was already pretty dark by the time I parked around 7 p.m. I got out of my car and I walked to the crosswalk. I crossed three lines of the road and happened to look up right when I got into the fourth lane of traffic. There was a dark gray Toyota Corolla slowly driving towards me. I stopped dead in my tracks, and I'm not sure why I didn't just keep walking. Something felt off about this car. The windows were very tinted, to the point that I couldn't see anyone inside the car. The car stopped about ten feet from me, and it started to rev its engine. That snapped me out of whatever trance I was in and made me take the final steps to the sidewalk. The car sped off to the stoplight, up the road, and it disappeared around the corner of the street that led to my building. I shook my head, thinking it was some stupid college kid just trying to show off or be cool. I weaved through some dorms and finally got to the next crosswalk that crossed the driveway to the side door to my building. This crosswalk is a one-way street. It connects to the street that I previously crossed. I looked to my left for any oncoming traffic, and there sat the same car. I waited for the car to drive by, but it stopped and flashed its lights at me. I guess this meant he was trying to let me cross. I went ahead and started to walk across the street, but when I got to the middle of the road... The car lurched forward and stopped about 12 inches from me. With that, I scurried to the other side of the road and turned around to chew out the driver, out of anger for almost hitting me. I turned around to the driver's window, which was also very tinted. It slowly rolled down, only to reveal that no one was inside. I blinked. I rubbed my eyes just to make sure I was seeing a driverless car. I looked in the back seat to see if there was somebody hiding back there, trying to freak me out. But there was no one in the passenger seat, or the back seat either. The driver's seat was upright, so I knew they weren't simply laying down to avoid me seeing them. I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I got a chill down my spine. I quickly hurried to turn around to the door. I scrambled to get my keys out to open the exterior door. And I heard a car door open and slam shut behind me. I didn't dare turn around because I didn't want to see who or what was behind me. I finally got the right key to go into the door and I slung it open and got inside. There was another set of doors that I had to go through and I turned around when I got through them. Both sets of doors were glass, so I could see outside. The car was gone. I tried to block it out as someone pranking me, since it was so close to Halloween. I turned to go down the long hallway of the building that I worked in. This hallway had motion-activated lights that really sucked. The motion sensors didn't work very well, so most of the time, they wouldn't turn on when you walked past them. 
I had never seen them on unless the switch was flipped. They really only ever turned on when you did that, instead of turning on when someone walked by. This hallway had faculty offices and a few computer labs in it, but it was really late. Everyone had pretty much gone home. There was no one in the offices or the computer labs as I made my way through the hall. I started walking down, and the lights all turned on at once, all the way down the hall. This only happened as someone flipped on one of the switches. There were only two switches, one at the end by me, and the other at the far end. I was looking in the direction of the second light switch, and I didn't see anyone walk by to turn it on. I didn't see a hand from around the corner flip it or anything. I knew there was no one behind me who could have switched on the light from there. I was about five feet from it, so I know I didn't hit it by mistake. I thought it was odd, and I got a shiver down my spine, but I kept walking. I finally made it to the end of the hallway, and I felt someone watching me from behind. I turned around really fast to see who it was. I looked, but there was no one there. I would have seen someone duck into one of the classrooms or office suites. All the doors were closed when I walked by. I would have heard a door open and shut at the very least. When I decided I was crazy and that no one was there, every single light turned off at once. Like someone switched the light switch again. I was looking at both light switches and neither one had moved. With that, I quickly made my way through the open part of the building to the staircase that led to my office suite. The staircase goes to the lower level of the building, and there's a landing on the second floor, which I was currently on. There are ceiling-to-floor windows that overlook the tiny parking lot behind the building. There was a girl standing there, facing the windows, with her back to me. She had long brown hair that fell to her lower waist. I could see that she was wearing jeans and a white top with a large red pattern on it. It was very odd. The red splotches were random and looked almost like paint. I called out to her to say hello, so I didn't startle her, but she didn't turn around. It didn't seem too strange since most of the janitorial staff cleans late at night. They typically have earbuds in to pass the time with music or podcasts or whatever they're listening to. It was common for them to not hear people walk up, especially since it wasn't common for others to be there after hours. I shrugged it off and started toward the staircase. But then a thought occurred to me. I looked back at the girl who hadn't moved. She was just standing there. She didn't have a mop broom, trash can, or any other janitorial supplies. I stepped down onto the first step and that's when she slowly turned to face me. I almost puked when I saw her face. She looked to be about my age, late teens, early twenties. She was gorgeous on one side of her face, but the other side was missing. By missing, I mean that her skin was shredded. It was gone, and I could see her skull, jawbone, and teeth. From what I could tell, her expression was anger, 
She was furrowing her one existing brow and narrowing her good eye at me. She started walking across the landing towards me with her arms outstretched. I couldn't rationalize what I was seeing. I had no idea how this girl was standing, let alone moving towards me quickly. The whole left side of her body was shredded, just like her face. I could see parts of bone in her arm and leg. Her clothes were torn on that same side as well. I realized that the red paint I had seen on her shirt was indeed blood. I finally let my brain take over my body, and I darted down the steps and immediately to the door to my office suite. There's four offices down the long hallway that make up my suite. My office was at the very end of the hallway. Like the first hallway upstairs, this one had motion-activated lights as well. They could also be turned on by flipping a switch on the wall. I fumbled with my keys, trying to get the exterior door opened. Finally, I jammed the key in and turned. I jerked them out and practically ran down the hallway, flipping the lights on as I went. At the end of the hall was the door to my office as well. I again fumbled for my keys to get the door unlocked. Before I could, I heard a slow, methodical knock on the door behind me. All of the classroom and office doors in my building have a long skinny window in them so you can see who's knocking on your door. I turned my head and let out a scream when I saw the same girl at the door. This time, she smiled at me, but it wasn't friendly. It looked evil, like she enjoyed my torment. I willed myself to turn back around to my office door and finally managed to get it open. I slammed it shut behind me and it locked automatically. All the doors in my building lock automatically when they latch shut, unless you flick the latch in it to make it stay unlocked. This is a safety precaution to prevent school shooters or intruders from having easy access to classrooms or offices full of people. I scrambled to the far wall of my office, which I shared with three other people. It's the largest office in the suite, since there were three student workers who had desks in there. There was also a gigantic printer for posters and signage and such. If you were at any of the computer workstations, you couldn't be seen from the door's window. I flattened myself against the far walls, and I tried to slow my heart rate and breathing while listening for any signs of the girl that I'd seen. It was quiet, and usually, when the exterior door opens and shuts, you could hear it. It was a heavy door that had one of those arms attached to the frame that would cause it to slowly shut, unless there was a doorstop holding it open. It was against university policy to prop a door open for longer than absolutely necessary to eliminate opportunities for intruders or school shooters. After about 20 minutes, I picked up my phone and I called my then-boyfriend. Not that he could really help me much since we were long distance. He lived six hours away in a different state, so it wasn't like he could drive to campus to comfort me or protect me. He answered the phone grumpily 
since he'd been taking a nap. I told him what had just happened, and he quickly shut down any suspicions by reminding me that it's only a few days before Halloween. He suggested that it might be a group of college kids playing a trick on me. I agreed and apologized for waking him up, since he was clearly unhappy with me. He didn't believe in anything supernatural whatsoever, so I wasn't about to suggest what I knew deep in my stomach. This wasn't a prank. This was some sort of spirit trying to scare me, get my attention, torment me. What it was trying to do was unclear at that moment, but I knew that it wasn't a living human. I just shook my head and tried to clear my thoughts. I pulled out my laptop and began working on the project I was trying to get finished. I worked for three solid hours, and I looked at my phone during a break. It was just after 10 p.m., and my phone was dying. I decided that three hours was enough time. I needed to get home before my phone was completely dead. I started packing up my things and began making my way back towards the door. I opened it and switched off the lights and let the door swing shut behind me. I walked cautiously toward the exterior suite door, as that was the last place I saw the girl. I half expected her to jump out when I got close enough to the door, but nothing happened. I opened the door and turned to go up the staircase to make my way out of the building. I didn't see anything, so I took my time. Once I got to the top step, I heard soft sobbing noises coming from the corner landing where I first saw the girl. She was sitting on the floor this time, with her legs crossed in a way that small children do. Her head was bowed, looking down at the floor in front of her, and she was shaking slightly from the sobbing. Her back was to me again, so I couldn't see her face. My heart did go out to her, because she sounded sad and in pain. But my brain just kept thinking about the evil smile she'd shown me while I was terrified earlier. I turned on my heel to run out of the building, but she started talking through the crying. Please stay with me. I don't have any friends. Please stay here forever with me. We can be friends. She kept repeating that she was alone, that she had no friends, and kept asking me to stay with her. I got chills down my spine, and I didn't think twice about running out the door that I'd come in earlier. I was at a dead run when I came to the crosswalk. I was genuinely terrified and wanted to get as far away from that building as possible, but I wasn't stupid enough to go running across the street without looking. I glanced both ways, searching for headlights, and once I saw it was clear, I started walking as quickly as I could across the four-lane road. Once I got to the middle of the road, I noticed headlights out of the corner of my eye. It was the same car that had spooked me on my walk over to the office earlier. I bolted across the street and quickly ran on the sidewalk to the parking garage. I wasted no time hopping in the elevators. I frantically pressed the buttons to force the doors closed when the car stopped in the street directly in front of the elevators. 
The driver's door opened, but I didn't see who or what got out. The elevator doors shut right before I could see anyone step out. I leaned against the back of the elevator, and I waited while it took me up three floors. I always parked on the top floor of the parking garage, especially if I knew I'd be there after dark. It was very well lit, and typically had plenty of spaces available. I stepped off the elevator and looked over the rail into the street below to see if I could spot the car, but it was nowhere in sight. I let out a breath and quietly walked to my car, about 20 feet from the elevator. I placed my backpack in the back seat and hopped in the front seat. I started my car and I sped down the ramp to the lower levels toward the exit. I was currently on the fifth floor and the exit is on the second floor. When I reached the bottom of the first ramp on the fourth floor, the same car was waiting for me. It floored it, going around to the right since this was a one-way and the car was sitting on my left. I sped as quickly as I could, around and around, circling the floors and ramps, descending to the bottom. I finally hit the second floor and glanced in my rearview mirror. The headlights were turning onto the ramp behind me. I completely lost it. I darted out onto the road and cruised through the intersection quickly. I drove to my apartment, about a mile off campus, and the whole drive, I checked my rearview mirror. No one was behind me, the whole drive home. I got out of my car and parked in the front of my apartment and quickly ran inside, locking the door behind me. The following night, I had little sleep, and it took several weeks to finally get through an entire night with no nightmares. Well, a few months later, in February 2020, the local news channels start covering the death of that girl that had occurred a year earlier. On the morning of her one-year anniversary, they shared a photo of her on the news. I always watch the news when I get ready in the morning, as I like to keep up with current events in my area and get a forecast for the weather. I was in the bathroom listening to my bedroom television as the segment on her began, I was putting on makeup when the news reporter spoke her name out loud. I won't repeat her name just to protect her identity, and I don't want to draw attention where it isn't wanted. But I got a chill down my spine when her name was said on the TV. I dropped everything I was doing, and I went to sit on the edge of my bed to watch the story. Seconds later, a photo of her popped onto the screen, and I went ice cold. It was the same girl that I'd seen in October. The same girl I'd seen in my office with a mangled face and body. She had on the same outfit, except it wasn't torn. Her shirt was also pure white, not red. I felt the blood drain from my face as I realized what I'd seen a few months prior. According to the local reporters... The whole story was that the girl had been hit by a teenage driver that was on her way to high school. The teen who'd been texting and driving at the same time, she hadn't realized she'd hit someone, and she drugged the victim about ten feet before she came to a stop. The girl 
was not killed instantly, but instead lived for two days. She was in a coma before she died and never woke up. I haven't seen her since, but I still refuse to stay in my office after dark, alone. I don't know why she chose me or what she wanted from me. I don't know if she simply wanted help or a friend. Or if she wanted to harm me or scare me. Maybe I'll never know. I sure hope I don't see her again, but I hope she's found peace wherever she is. This happened last Halloween. I spent a few nights at Rolling Hills Asylum with a friend of mine, and to be honest, at first, I was really skeptical of the whole place, due to the owners acting like the ghosts just come out and chat, like Casper. Nonetheless, I had a weird experience that made me lean more towards believing something is possibly going on there. My friend was pushing me around in a wheelchair, when I saw a black shadow person run across the hall, but bending in ways people shouldn't bend. So I got up and froze, and to my surprise, my friend just goes, What? Someone just crossed the hall? And I said something along the lines of, That wasn't human. And we proceeded to debate if it was a person or not and we realized we can easily just clear the hall room by room and see if anyone was on the floor with us. After searching the wing, we realized not only was there no one in the room we saw it run into, no one was even in the entire wing. So, can someone explain this? Last Halloween, I had a friend over so we could do festive things and watch some old classic Tim Burton movies. As we sat there after dark in the dining room, enjoying some fall-themed cookies, she suddenly stared me dead in the eyes and told me she felt something by her legs. When prompted further, she explained that she'd put her hand on her lap with her cookie in it and felt what seemed like a dog brush by to reach for the cookie. We have a big dog in addition to our puppy, so she looked down expecting to see him under the table, and there was nothing there, but she swore there was a presence of a black dog under there. None of our dogs are black, and none of them were under the table. We did, however, have a black lab that died about seven years ago. She didn't know this, and I saw how freaked out she was. After that, I felt my baggy sweatpants bend inwards, as though I was bending my leg. I was not. And the way I felt them move could only have been from something brushing by. Again, nothing was under the table.
It was about 8.30 p.m. While taking out the trash at work with a co-worker or roommate, a large dog approached us. It seemed to be galloping. It wasn't walking normally, like an animal should. Despite the many surrounding lights, the dog appeared to be entirely black. It was silhouetted just enough that you could see its muscle definition. I could see a slight reflection in its eyes, and it seemed to lack a shadow. My roommate and I both expressed having different experiences and visions of the dog. When I initially saw the dog, I interacted saying, Aw, dog, in excitement. For me, it proceeded to sit entirely still on the cement, staring like a statue. What I saw was a large, fluffy, black dog, lazy ears, similar to a Newfoundland dog. My roommate expresses seeing the dog as a large, very muscular, aggressive-looking black dog that stood rigid the entire time, staring like it wanted to attack. It was short-haired, muscular, and had pointed ears. I jokingly stated that the dog looked like a skinwalker, not really anticipating that anything would happen. Then, we immediately felt a wake of dread fall over us. Something was wrong. We both saw the dog's jaw open, almost as if it was about to bark. We heard a distant yet extremely clear high-pitched yell saying, Come here. The dog immediately turned to take off. We turned around the corner. The creature was unreasonably far up the road for the short amount of time that it was not being observed. It was wobbling, crossing its paws, walking oddly. When it turned left around the corner, it seemed to nearly stand up on its hind legs. Walking on two legs just before passing around out of sight. The rest of the night was just as interesting. We had trouble with certain objects, slightly moving places, nudging a bit, settling. It quickly became more aggressive. And then, just as we're about to leave, we heard a loud and persistent knocking coming from the front of the store. We quickly went to our cars. On the drive home, I tried to blast music and ignore what I'd seen. I heard whispering coming from my back seat. I couldn't quite make out the words. It just sounded like whistling, almost. But get this, I saw a random antique clawfoot bathtub on the left side of the road, in a field. It was certainly not there the day before, or even that morning on my drive there. The kicker, I was watching the sidelines of the roads for animals, and I most certainly saw a buck. He was leaping out in the front of the road, a good 50 feet ahead. I slammed on my brakes, but when I got closer, it was merely a bush. Perhaps I was just paranoid, but this is all very concerning.
My dad, being Irish and wanting to live somewhere close to his childhood home, bought a house in a remote part of Northern Ireland in 2007. It's a pretty old farmhouse, 18th century, I think, and back then was completely dilapidated. I'll never forget the first time he showed it to me and my brother. He had spent the long car journey hyping it up, telling us about how incredible the location was, how spacious it was, the amazing interior. And then we arrive at what was essentially a creepy old building site. The creepy vibe, not helped by the torrential rain that had been released by the heavens that day. Still, over the years, post-renovation, I've grown to love spending time there. There's beautiful green rolling hills surrounding the property. There's a sea view, and the beach is a stone's throw away, with nobody around for miles. It's a hermit's paradise. I've always, however, felt unnerved and creeped out by it. During the first holiday I ever spent there, I was around nine years old, I think, we were cleaning out the attic and found some old photograph of a young woman probably from around the Victorian times. My younger brother was absolutely terrified of it. I used to prank him by putting it in his bed before he went to sleep, or by wrapping my knuckles against the bed frame, pretending that Bertha, as we nicknamed her, the ghost lady, was coming for him. It was, granted, an unnerving photograph. There was a wild, vacant look in her eyes, and she was ghostly pale in complexion. A local from the neighboring glen who knew about the history of the house mentioned that there was a rumor that a young woman had been murdered by her jealous husband in the late 1850s. It was in the house in the lower glen. So, could have been our house, but also could have been one of the many other houses in the area. That rumor, though... It was enough to eventually make us return the picture to the attic, never to be retrieved again, even for pranks. At night, the house went from being creepy to being deeply unsettling. Bangs, footsteps, tappings, knocks, the sounds at all hours. My dad blamed the plumbing, the old pipes, or our imagination. And that was what we would tell ourselves, too, except that it would happen while the pipes were cold and when there was nobody around. I remember, one morning, my dad and I drove to our nearest village to pick up coffee in the newspaper. Half an hour later, we were back, to the immense relief of my brother, who was visibly shaken. As he let us in, apparently, the second he was alone and watching TV... He heard the distinct sound of heavy footsteps walking on the floor above him. Every time he paused the TV, it stopped, and when he resumed it, they resumed. He vowed never to be left alone again, and basically stopped coming to the house after that. In more recent years, I've been spending a lot of time at the house, being a lover of solitude and nature. I can't go alone, for reasons stated above, so I go with my partner, who finds it equally spooky. We both hear the unexplained sounds, the tapping and knocking at the windows, 
the footsteps at night. My partner is somewhat sensitive and has had paranormal encounters before. She said that the minute she stepped into the house, she could feel a sinister dark energy emanating from inside. I got into the habit while we were staying there of going out on long walks in an attempt to prevent cabin fever. Whenever I returned, she would always report something eerie that had occurred while I was out. For example, once she was vacuuming the living room and had felt two hands grab her by the waist, only to spin around and find nothing, nobody there. She felt taps on her shoulder, heard my voice calling out her name when I wasn't even home, and heard the sounds of people moving around the house while she was in the shower. Then, recently, things got even scarier. We decided to go visit the house on a Halloween mini-break, and the second we arrived, we both felt this hostile energy, as if we were trespassing in somebody else's house. It's worth noting that, shortly after my dad bought the house all those years ago, he ended up having to work full-time in London, so was unable to permanently live there. There was talk of renting it out, but nothing ever came of it, so the house just sits there, desolate, empty for most months of the year. But perhaps it does have a full-time resident after all. Anyway, we decided to try and shake off the feeling of unease and celebrate Halloween. We did the usual thing, got drunk on cheap wine, put scary makeup and costumes on, watched stupid horror movies all evening. At around 11 p.m., my partner went to go and get a bottle of wine from the fridge while I stayed in the living room. I suddenly heard her saying, Oh my God. And I immediately stood up and rushed over to her. She turned to me, looking frightened, and said that she'd seen a white, swirling mist outside in the garden against the pitch-black darkness. It had vanished after a few seconds. That night, the noises and footsteps were louder than ever. A few days later, I was at the house by myself. My partner had gone away to see her family who lived a few hours away and would be returning later on that evening. I was sitting at my desk working downstairs in the living room, trying to ignore the growing uneasiness I was feeling. Then, I started to hear same as usual, footsteps sounding upstairs. But this time, it was different. It was louder, as if a flurry of people were trampling around upstairs. I could hear the sound of bedsheets being moved, furniture being moved. It was coming from the upstairs room at the end of the house, where most of the unexplained noises originate. The way I describe it to those I've related to is that it sounded as if a few people were making preparations upstairs for a visitor, except I was all alone. I was petrified and immediately phoned my partner. I told her what was happening, but it was so loud that she could hear it over FaceTime.
Well, friends, it appears we've reached the end of this Halloween special. But make sure you're tuning in all weekend long for more spooky Halloween stories. And if you would, please like this video, subscribe to The Darkest Hour if you haven't already, and tap the bell so you never miss a thing. Thanks to all of those who shared their stories, and thanks to all of you for listening. Can't forget to thank my amazing patrons for their support. So, thank you to Monica L., Zoe Watt, Shelly B., Donald C., Rat Girl, Alicia S., Aaron G., Nikki H., Mr. Revenant, and Naz K. If you want to support The Darkest Hour in other ways, consider joining my Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash thedarkesthour or click the link in the description to learn more. Keep up with me and all things Darkest Hour over on my Instagram, thedarkesthourYT, and follow me on Twitter, AmandaJaneTDH. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, AmandaDarkestHour at gmail.com or on the Darkest Hour subreddit, thedarkesthourYT. Stay spooky.